0: Feral audio
1: Where are we going? this is your introduction dj hot Stepper. say what i want do what i want get inside and out of anything i can It ain't sticky and ain't me dj dick or troy here on live the tape with johnny pemberton we got a little harry nelson in the background here from an album that no one ever fucking heard this is an album that he did with ringo Starr, where he's pretending to be a goddamn vampire Okay, so here's the deal, this is live to tape, it's going to be all live to tape from here on out, we've got a great guest in studio right now, he's going to talk with Johnny, but right now this is Dicker, I got some housekeeping to let you know about, if you're listening. And you're here, and you're there, and you're present. Go to Feral Audio and buy all the things you need from the goddamn Amazon website. You hear me right now? Amazon.com provides goods and services. Actually, don't don't do services, but. They do provide goods in the form of services. They provide a service of goods. And you go to feralaudio.com. If you can't figure that out, I don't got it. I got pray. I'll got got I pray for your baby soul, because that's how far gone you are in this world. Go there, click on that Amazon thing, and shop till you drop, till you sweep, till you weep, okay? Go on there, and that gives this whole network a little sweet little kickback in the ass. But it's a good ass, like a kiss on the asshole. We like it. Also, go to iTunes and rate and review this here podcast, okay? Go ahead and get on there, rate and review it, and say you love it, and give it five stars, and then also subscribe. That way, every Monday, when this big old hot pile of audio junction comes ready to rip you just got it sitting there waiting for you in your digital mailbox of sorts. Your audio mailbox is sitting there ready to fucking blow you down, honey. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: So here's the cheer. Here's the truth. Okay. It's me now. Hey, it's me. Hey, it's me. It's old, old piss McGee, old fuddy-duddy junction, old flange house. Uh, here's the deal right now. I'm going to tell you about some upcoming tour dates and stuff. So you got to know about this stuff. Do you live in California? You probably do cuz you're actually you know not probably not probably do live here at all. You probably may live anywhere. You probably live in fucking Australia for all I know. You probably do. There's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who live in Australia. I know that. There's a lot of people who listen to podcasts in general who live in Australia. Isn't that great? Okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to be I'm going to play you some music to listen to this cuz this is really good. This is a great album called uh, I'll tell you about it later. I'm not gonna tell you the album title. You can listen to it on Spotify. So relax. I'm gonna be on tour with Josh Fadum. We're doing four shows in California, Washington, and Oregon. We'll be in San Francisco on the 13th at Doc's Lab. We'll be on the 15th. We will be in Portland at the Curious Comedy th- comedy, comedy Comedy Theater. Curious Comedy Theater. The 16th will be in Vancouver as part of JFL Northwest at the Fox Cabaret. And then on the 17th, 17th, we're going to be in Seattle. We're going to be in Seattle at the Rendezvous Joe Box Theater that saw all those games. Those are the dates we're gonna be together. We're gonna be having local comics on the shows too. So if you're a local comic and think you've can, think you got what it takes to interact with Dicker and Josh, email me at live to tape podcast at gmail or hit us up on Twitter. Twitter is just my name. Dicker Troy is just his name at Johnny Pemberton and
1: at Dick Troy.
0: known as the podcast please welcome with open arms steve fernandez genius beautiful comic writer would you say you- hi steve <laughs> good to be here hi how are you i'm good are you doing good yeah i'm doing really well how are you uh
2: i'm well how are you
0: great um so this is how we started every podcast i say uh what's your deal
2: <laughs> i was you know i've listened to some episodes of this too right but- do you start them all like that cuz I don't remember you starting them no, like I that? No, I do.
0: I do. I I don't have any cons- there's no consistency in this in the world that I live in.
2: Yeah, as a uh I podcast as well and I'm right. a stand up as well and you're always trying to like uh break your life up into some themes. Right. So you can sell yourself in a way and mm-hmm. I was thinking that I was like, "Oh, what are the things I can talk about? What are your themes?" Uh, let's see. Okay, I I uh let's see. Um, I used to be married. I right. used to be a youth minister. See,
0: that's the thing when I first church. met you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that I was like, holy shit, that's so interesting. You don't, it's
2: not that interesting. I think it is. There's I don't know anybody. Of, there's tons to of that. old youth ministers now, I think. Really? Yeah, when you think about it. I, I'm like over it. And Pete Holmes has really squeezed the sponge with all that shit. He has? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know him in that way, though uh you what do you think about god i mean are you all out there with energy and shit yeah i mean i've
0: kind of got that standard hippy dippy reformed catholic kind of thing
2: yeah i feel like
0: where so i mean i went to church i went to catholic school did all that stuff but it wasn't like um yeah i don't know it's one of those things where it's kind of i don't really know about it
2: oh you you don't really care either though right
0: i guess so i don't i don't know what i I mean I, i don't know if i care
2: I don't think you care.
0: Okay. Because if you care, you'd know, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's do you really care? Easy. No, not anymore. Really? Yeah. I do always. Uh, I always play with ideas, and even when I was a minister, I really like playing with theology and uh, coming up with uh, ideas about different things. I do feel like I'll eventually convert to Judaism. You think so? Mm-hmm. Why so? Uh even growing up I really liked the Old Testament God. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people like uh talk shit about him, but Jesus always <laughs> J- Jesus always seemed to me like something a mom would make up to tell her kids.
0: Right, cuz he's so, I'm sorry, I'm touching this mic. Uh it, Jesus you mean he's so like uh
2: so perfect kind of. Yeah, he's so perfect and full of love and also like you could just be be a shitty person right up until your death and it'll be okay. That's true. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh leeway with Jesus. I per- I personally don't think if there is a god that he gives a shit about what we do like that but I I do like the Old Testament God. I do like Judaism cuz it seems <laughs> like I think if you're an all perfect all powerful god right. that you're going to have trouble interacting with uh humans. And so in the Old Testament he comes across as like full of fury. He he killed us with the flood. Right. Uh he killed people. I just didn't think he he didn't know I mean, if you're an all-perfect, all-powerful being, how would you know how to interact with imperfect beings?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I guess even as a, as a young person going to Catholic school, going to religion class, that's the thing you always rebel against because this thing, it doesn't make sense to you, <clears throat> like it doesn't make any sense, but I guess through... I But uh,
2: well, really, with Catholicism yeah. and Christianity, the thing that, that doesn't make sense, and it shouldn't make sense because it doesn't make sense, right, that's the thing. is they try to connect the Old Testament God and Christ. Right, okay. So, oh yeah, this is a God of love, but it's obviously right there in the Old Testament. He murders people. Yeah, it's not And he's love. into it. No, that's not love. The Old Testament yeah. God isn't love. Jesus is about love, but the Apostle Paul wrote 75% of the New Testament. He was a genius, and he connected these two. Um, but he also had a lot of faults, too. So what you think of as, what you know of as Christianity, the Apostle Paul created, and he has a lot of his own faults, too. But, I mean, so people have based this. It's really on one man's writing. This is so fascinating,
0: man. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's so interesting when people know the Bible in a way where it's like, like I mean, Duncan's that way. He knows the Bible in a way. Like Duncan Trussell is a good friend of mine. He knows... It's almost like an a religious understanding of it, which I think is super interesting because it's like a, it is a historical document. If you think about it, it's this it's a historical thing. So there's like part of it that uh, you can look at, you can kind of look at it on a, from a scholarly, like clinical perspective, almost.
2: Oh yeah, and if you understand the historical context, yeah. then you, a lot of it makes more sense. As
0: yeah. Well. yeah, Have you read that book by Reza Aslan, Zealot?
2: Yeah. That, that yeah, that book. That I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about
0: right now. So interesting because he t- he he breaks open. I mean, if lis- listeners, if you haven't read Zealot, you should check it out. It's pretty cool. A Muslim's and intro- what he was he was uh, a Christian for a long time. So it's not like he was. It's not like a Muslim. Oh, was he Christian? He was really Christian. Yeah, he talks about that in the book. How when he was a kid. He was more when he was a kid. He got into it. He got really into Christianity, but he eventually became a Muslim again. But he uh, he was really into it, and he like loved Jesus, and just thought this was the greatest thing, and really had like a lo- he so, so he has like a lot of respect for it, and he's he's not coming at it from this like people like dismiss him, or people like fucking Fox News type people would dismiss him, saying this is a this is a Muslim's condemnation of our faith, when really he's looking at it from from not the, not a perspective of uh, someone trying to disprove it or debunk it, but trying to. He liked it. He loved it so much. He wanted to learn so much about it that he learned things that uh, I don't think it shook his faith. He talks about, but I think it's more. Like he it made him look at Christianity in a different way, like look at it as something where because he talks about. Well, I mean, it's always that thing that people talk about: the historical Jesus is different than the Jesus of the Scripture. So it's like a thing where you can't rectify the two because the historical Jesus is all this stuff about him well
2: yeah e- well, even if you read the gospels yeah. if you read the four gospels they're different and because each of the author- authors had different intentions they were trying to accomplish something different yeah so jesus looks different and he does different and if you were part of the people uh, in that time receiving those you understood these things and you didn't think oh this isn't literally true yeah exactly you That's knew the that thing. the story was trying to tell you something deeper mm-hmm. not just a literal you know the literal christ and yeah people uh, people t- don't know if he even existed, but yeah, dude, that Re- that Reza Aslan book is great. I yeah. really love it. I used to go to a church when I was married, so I tried going to a church called All Saints. It's a very liberal Episcopalian church okay. in Pasadena. And he would come, Reza would come, he would. Yeah, they had this. It's great. It's it's a great church. they're old like uh, I think he was called a rector used to have a show on like Oprah's network. It's super liberal. Okay. Uh, yeah. So like the first they would have a church part where he gave a little. Homily, and then you would uh, do a lot of the liturgical stuff, but also Mm -hmm. they had like a second meeting. Um, and I, I'm surprised that this church just isn't more packed. But they would have different political leaders and people come and talk about. And yeah. these are people that would be on the Daily Show and everything. So sure. Reza would come, and different people would come and like p- promote their books through talking about right. it. But there'd be like 150 people. there. I mean, this would be on a Sunday, like at 11 a.m. So it's almost like a meeting. Yeah, that one was like a meeting, <laughs> and it was funny going through membership class. I, I did that with my uh, ex-wife. It's such, it's so liberal. I remember the one of the guys that was like leading our little group right. said something like. You know, even if if it turned out that there wasn't a Christ, I'd still be okay with it. You know, it was like that kind of a liberal wow. thing. And uh yeah, this, I I have I have a real problem with Christ, um and the atonement. That just always bothered me. The atonement? what is that? The idea that Christ had to give his life to pay a price for us. Right. That always bugged me.
0: Yeah, that is that kind of thing where it's like <laughs> that thing where uh when I was growing up there's always that thing. If you don't eat your food, like there's kids starving in Africa, finish it. And I was, I had a shitty appetite as a kid, like a terrible appetite, so I always resented that. And I feel like that's sort of like this equivalent of that, where if anything, anything, anything's bad for you, it's like Christ
2: died for you. Yeah. Well, I just always thought, even when I was younger, you know, when I was a kid, I always thought, you know, I didn't ask for him to do that. Yeah, and, like, exactly. and didn't and, ask for yeah, it. I didn't ask for that, and I didn't ask to be born. So the fact that you know, and I always had a timeline, too, with, uh, I had a problem with people always saying that God was, was, was over time, so he was always in the past, present, and future. Then I was like, why didn't he just drop Christ early if he knew we were going to sin? I mean, I mean, these are just, as a 10-year-old, yeah. I would ask these kind That's of questions. So
0: interesting. I would love to see 10-year-old Steve Hernandez yeah. asking that question uh, yeah. about oh, the
2: nature of time,
0: like the fluid, or like the non-linear nature of God's time.
2: <laughs> I The only the only way I'll live with, I'll I'll be okay with the Christ narrative is if, uh, if God wasn't over time, then that makes sense to me. If God was experiencing time and the Old Testament and all that with mm-hmm. us, then I'll make room for, what if you're this all-perfect God and you fall in love with these people, kind of like we're his pets or whatever, yeah. and you keep setting these simple rules and they keep crossing them, right. and then he said, I just don't understand, but I do love them so much, and he said, the only way for me to figure it out is to just become one of them. Right, and, and then he did that, and then right. after that, he he realizes, oh, this is fucked up. Like okay. it's fucked up to be human. So I'm going to change the way I've done things before, and and that is the Christ. If that's your Christ story, I can get behind that. That's that, so interesting. They never thought about it that way. But yeah, I mean, I I've yeah I've thought about. I've tried to after I quit being a minister, I like spun out so hard. I quit, but my church asked me. It was a mega church, and my church asked me not to come back for a year. And I had been. I'd grown up at that church and I was working 60-70 hours a week like putting on events and doing everything Where so, is this? This is in This is in West Covina. West Covina. Yeah, okay. it's a church called uh, Faith Community. So it's a mega church. How big is a mega church? Uh, this church I think I think they've kind of leveled off I, at like 15,000. So you know, is there, a, is there a number that makes a mega church? <laughs> I don't know. I I personally think that a mega church you could call yourself a mega church at 2,000.
0: A mega...
1: A, a mega church. church. <laughs> the, the sanctuary seated. I think the sanctuary seated 2,500 or 3,000. Welcome to the mega church. We have... Uh, welcome here to the new mega church. We've officially crossed the 2,000 membership level to designate us under this tax bracket. Mega church. We'll be seeking another 12,000... Immigrants to the church so we can become an ultra church. One day we will become an ultra church and we will merge consciousness with the universe and become the church of their savior of the covenant of the earth that exists in the same time as the planet. We are the earth, we are one church, earth, ultra. <laughs>
2: I don't know. (laughs) You felt compelled to do that? Yeah.
0: That's really funny. You can do it too if you want. You want to try it?
2: Oh, no. Absolutely not. I'm not a. Johnny. Yeah? I'm not a silly person.
0: I know, but I'm just trying to pimp you out.
2: No, it it (laughs) is. uh, (laughs) I like being around silly people. It makes me laugh, but I'm not a silly person. Got it. I don't like fun. I've never thought about that, man. That's like so interesting because
0: I feel like I'm like over. I'm so. I feel like I'm some silly to a detriment almost sometimes. But I guess I never thought about that. It's such a great thing that you just say like you can just say that. You're so
2: comfortable you can say I'm not a silly person. And it's like such a It's taken me years though. It's taken it's me so years cool. to figure out. I don't like fun things. Like, <laughs> oh my god, like, it's so funny. I don't like karaoke, that kind of thing. It bothers like- <laughs> me. People like actively trying to have fun bothers me. What do you me. think
0: about fireworks?
2: I like fireworks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like fireworks. Uh, I, I wouldn't go to them or anything like that. But I once, wouldn't go to them. Yeah, yeah. But once you're there, it's like, this is pretty cool. Like that church that I was just talking about, right. they they would hire the Disney people oh, shit. to come out for the 4th of July celebration. That's the It was like deal. 50 grand. And uh, it's really cool, man. It's really cool. I, I think the problem with uh, people like us is we don't have kids, so yeah. we don't get to experience a... I mean, you see, seem like you're full of wonder, and I'm, I'm actually kind of full of wonder too. But with kids, you just start reliving it and seeing it through yeah. their eyes, and then all that stuff's fun. Then, then I think if I had kids, I would be a fun person, and I would like want to be silly and have fun for the kids. Yeah. But otherwise, what for adults? I don't need this.
0: <laughs> That's so funny, man. Yeah. I want to ask you about the mega church stuff more because that. I mean, to me, that's just so interesting because I don't know. Anything, I don't know anything about it. I've never experienced
2: or been. How, so you grew up in that environment? Yeah, I grew up. When I started, the church was probably about five hundred. When I was seven, we had a okay. na- we had a neighbor bring us, and me and my brother, and uh, then my mom eventually started going a couple years later, and then. Uh, yeah, so but, you
0: started going before your parents did?
2: Yeah, just a neighbor lady brought wow. us. And uh yeah, I remember a puppet shows and like VBS Man. Vacation Bible schools, all that kind of stuff. So this
0: is a Christian church. What what denomination would that be?
2: They were more Pentecostal than Pentecostal. Yeah, they were more Pentecostal. Okay. But they um they got they got less. It was a little. They would just be non denominational evangelical now. So, but when the people used to get slayed in the spirit, when people would knock each other down with slayed. That's what they call it when like a like a Benny Hinn when someone lays hands on you and you like fall down. A Benny Hinn? Do you know who Benny
0: Hinn is? No, man. This is this is I'm fucking having a great time. He's a now. real famous. I love this uh, shit. He, he's
2: like the Benny Hinn. Yeah, he's like the televangelist healer guy. Oh I don't God. know if he's not so big anymore, but. Probably about twenty years ago. Yeah, he was all over the TV, and like ABC News would do like stories on like him exposés. And, or yeah, stories? trying to pop them and stuff like that. Because he
0: was the guy who would yeah knock you down. But there's
2: a bunch of guys like that. That's yeah. what people do. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think it's so funny when we talk about exposing that type of thing because that's not there's no trickery there. That's the person who's being. I mean, at least from what I think and know, it seems to be that's a two way street. There, the sure. person's.
2: Wants to be. They don't really try to. I don't think the exposés are ever really trying to catch whether or not that thing is real. Right. They like Benny Hinn in particular. A lot of these guys are live extravagant lifestyle. Oh, so it's like about the money. It's it's more about the money. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like how they're like a huckster.
2: Yes, exactly. So.
0: So your church had some of that going on, the, some yeah. Benny
2: Henning. Sure, I, yeah. There's some Benny Henning. I never personally got knocked in the spirit. Uh, not they call it slain in the spirit. Slain <laughs> like like wow. And it, this, the spirit took you out. But uh, my dad, we we're just my dad and I were talking two or three weeks ago, and he said he got knocked out. And my dad's like a regular guy, and he right. was like, I remember my dad was telling me this memory. He's like, Yeah, I remember the guy called me up, and I was like. Uh, you know this fucking this poor guy like I am going to embarrass him he said oh. but he got knocked out he rem- he fell down to the ground and he's like I still don't understand what happened
0: so how how does that happen like well, what's going on there so they bring you up in front of the church uh
2: let's see I'm trying to I'm trying I to rem- know,
0: I know everything from a catholic ca- I know a catholic mass I sure. understand how it works like the the order and stuff and it's really traditional and boring and everything I don't know like how well the, the guy would probably
2: have given like a sermon.
0: Okay, how how long
2: uh, forty-five minutes.
0: Forty-five minutes, and that's yeah. from that's how is, is that like
2: the from the beginning? Of the- no, 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 no. There's all this. There's worship. Okay, so worship's about twenty minutes to a half hour. So how's it work? Could you, what time? <laughs> am, I just don't know. What time does it start? Uh, well, I know this is so funny because I haven't thought about this in years. <laughs> yeah. so it's funny to remember. And I mean, I used to run our church had multiple services and all this stuff. Yeah. All right. So let's say a nine o'clock service. Nine although, although our Sunday. church had like three services on a right. Sunday. Let's say a nine a.m. Sunday. You'd start off with a service. It's a band and everything, and you worship God for like 25 minutes. What does so that mean? Like three, you do three fast songs. This, this is so funny. I haven't thought about this, this in so, so long. Cool. <laughs> yeah, You'll do two or three fast songs, or right. two fast songs. It's just like... Like, just everyone's clapping fast. And, Jesus is yeah. him.
0: He's the best Jesus. Yeah, Jesus Just bad yeah. him. I yeah getting everyone like, Moving.
2: Okay. Then you'll have kind of a middle-like song that's like you're bringing the tempo down and shit. Okay. Right? I used to lead worship, too. So there was all these hand signs where uh, when you... So, so you go down to like a mid-tempo one and then you pray. That's where you pray, too, where you're like... Lord, you know, we're just so happy to be here tonight. We want your spirit to come in us today and we I, want to be open. Is everyone to your standing love. at and, this
0: point? Yeah, everyone's I'm standing, standing. Okay. this whole
2: time. At, at my church people stand. Okay. And everyone claps. My church is the kind where they would close their eyes and lift their hands and everything like okay. that too. So uh at the after that intermediate prayer then you break down to like two like slow worship songs. Really get the spirit pumping. And that that <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus
0: on the, blood and the, wheat and the
2: night and the mountain. I you know, I really wish you didn't talk about blood and wheat. That's too much for me. Uh and then uh yeah, the worship leader would go, depending you by the last song you're cooking, so like okay. twenty-five minutes in, and uh, I would let's say I was leading worship. This would mean verse music. I'm holding up one finger, because you're directing the band, too. So,
0: when you say worship leader, this isn't like the, the preacher. This is like a sort of like, a, like a, a, guy, a singer.
2: So, okay. it's like a lead singer of the worship band. Okay, got it. And uh, so, he's directed. He'll pray, like I just said, and he'll direct Damn. the band. So, like when the spirits pump, and if, if you're going again, I would raise up one finger for the verse music, uh, two fingers for... The chorus music again yeah so i'd just be like keep it going and then sometimes i'd like put my hand like let's take it down a little bit so like a band leader yeah as a band leader Fucking a. I had no idea yeah so you'd get up and uh you do that and then you would close in prayer but the the senior by this point the senior pastor would get up on stage and he would Close, close in prayer and like, mm, Lord, isn't it good to be in your house today? And would be like that. And then... And uh, people would be like calling out in the audience? They would No, be like, not yet. Not Nothing all? like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, so they're all not they listening. Really. This one was pretty... I mean, it was... You don't get to be this... And they would show on Channel 9. Right. Uh, this, my pastor would have his teachings and stuff on Channel 9 on KCAL. Like, we paid money to be on okay. TV. Uh, so it was very... Everything was sharp and by the minute. It was like Got TV it. production. Wow. And so... Um, yeah, then he would come every, and then everyone like oh, say he'd say a prayer, and everyone open their eyes, and, and he'd be like, "Isn't it good to be in God's house?" And everybody be like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is good." And then they'd be Still like, "Still standing?" Yeah, everyone's standing, but everyone's like, "It's like he just came." It really is yeah. that feeling, like, mm. and then he'd be like, "All right, go on, shake, uh, go on and meet two people, shake hands, tell three people that you love them, or it's good to see them today, and So everyone would hug and everything yeah. like that, shake hands, everyone, and then you'd sit down, and he'd be like. Oh, how's everyone doing today? Good, good, good. And then you do announcements okay. for 10 minutes. Which is like what? What's, what's some announcements? You got the chili cook off coming okay. up right here. Uh, you know, Tim Story's going to be here the last weekend. Uh, make sure you invite your friends out for that. Uh, and then, uh, they would do offering. Okay. So this is very important. This you is have passing to the,
0: passing the dish. Yeah,
2: I mean, and there was, my church was so big. Like I said, the auditorium was, mm-hmm. it seated 2,500 people. Wow. So, uh, I, I remember how much offering, when I was there, what was that, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. They were bringing in $130,000 a week.
0: Oh my God. So
2: this is like not a joke. Holy shit. So our, our, um... God our pastor was and that,
0: that was fifteen years ago. A hundred and thirty thousand dollars a week. So what's that times fifty two? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's that's
2: a couple million dollars a oh, year. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh so I think I think it's like three or something yeah, like that. Or, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, so he'd give a little teaching about why yeah. you should offer and everything. But like five or ten minutes. And then uh Everyone, while they passed the bags and everything, the worship group would do, or the band would do another song. And after that song... The money song. Yeah, I know. It could be slow, it could be fast. We don't know. Uh, It's a real grab bag. Mm -hmm. And then the pastor would do teaching for like 45 minutes. If it was a guest pastor for that kind of thing you're talking about, getting slain in the spirit, he'd probably do, do a half hour. So teaching, he's preaching, he's talking about... Yeah, preaching out of the Bible. He's making a point, he's got like
0: a whole thing he's going for.
2: Yeah, and then uh, after that, uh, something like that would probably be a half hour, because you're pretty strict on time too, so... Okay. He knew he had about 10 or 15 minutes, so then he would probably say something like, if you need a healing right now, if there's people with uh this kind of problems come up here emphysema yeah something like that rheumatoid
0: yeah. arthritis
2: yeah 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 I mean, colitis yeah that kind of a thing i mean and this is it got more rare and more rare hemorrhoids i was at this church <laughs> never hemorrhoids oh so the
0: diseases would get rarer that the calling up to, to the, get... this
2: kind of a, a, a teacher okay that would heal like this it got rarer and rarer the, the bigger the church got why it, it, is that you think uh, I think the pastor, the pastor was very uh, buttoned-up guy, okay. and he just saw that there was like, it, it becomes uh, instead of more like of a mystical thing, he he just kind of geared the church more towards these are successful ways to live, and okay. here are principles and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, then, yeah, people get healed, people get knocked down, and then uh, that's it. Yeah, done. And that's the end of the day. Uh, that's one one service. So, oh, if so, that was the 9 o'clock service, that's over by 10.30. There's a half an okay. hour break till the 11, and they do it again at 11.
0: Man. Yeah. That shit's fucking crazy. Yeah. Getting knocked down.
2: Yeah. Who knows what it is? Uh, but, yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I mean, it's all you can say all kinds of stuff about it. I always think, it, to me, it always seems like it's something where a person wants it to happen. So they allow it well
2: like with my dad my dad just said he didn't want it to happen yeah and it still happened so that kind of stuff's unexplainable although i i mean i just believe i've been around this stuff and now you know now that i do stand up i just heavily believe that people have uh i believe in the the power of crowds oh
0: my god i believe in, in
2: energy yeah i really do believe in energy big time and i saw pastors who could and this is a really weird thing that I'm going to tell you, but I really believe in it, but uh, in terms of charisma and energy, mm-hmm. I saw people that could reach their whatever they had could go out to 500 people. Right. And then I saw people that could go out to 1,000 people. Yeah. And then I saw people that had enough of that, whatever that thing is, yeah. that could reach the whole auditorium, so fill up the room. Right. And so now, I, I mean, I just, whatever that is, it can't be explained, I don't know, but I can feel that with comedy and audiences i mean when you're up there doing stand-up you're feeling the crowd or anything too but i've also gotten to that place where i realized oh just just whatever that thing you have uh like just be very conscious of it and pump it up when you go yeah. on stage, and like just have a real conscious way of thinking about it and saying, "Oh, okay, I'm going to douse this room in my shit right now." <laughs> and uh, I really do think like that, and I, uh, I it just, I, I see that it works. So,
0: yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a real thing. It's like anytime you meet someone, if you meet anytime I've met like a, a celebrity or a politician or someone like that, you meet them and you just get it right away, like, oh. You just have this magnetism. You have some sort of thing that's just very, it's just like very bright. Or and I'm trying any like. I'm trying to think of some big actors I have worked with where just you just like feel. Can you think of one? I'm trying. I mean, i have trying to think of the person who was I the, was the most impressed me where I just was like, oh, you can't not like. I can't not like you. People talk that way about Tom Cruise. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that guy is a fucking just fucking
2: radiating. Yeah, and he just yeah,
0: and he looks at you, and you feel like, oh, you're only looking at me right now. You're only. It's like this thing where it's so personal, but it's also not because it's like obviously can't be every. It's. Yeah, it's like I feel like if I have ever met Obama, or if you met any president, well, people any talk president, about Bill
2: Clinton that Bill way too. Clinton. He just walks in a room and he just murders it.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm sure even George W. Bush was that way. Oh, sure G oh,
2: W. was that way for sure. Is Are you that guy
0: me? you could you can't not like that guy. If yeah. you met him, you could be like his biggest opponent, and you meet him, he's gonna be like, "Hey, how you, how you doing there? Oh, I like those shoes. <laughs> uh, so, so we're, we're gonna get out here and have some brunch, or what? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, just like you can't. Oh, yeah so disarming sure and it's uh, it's weird because it's also it's like a thing where that can be just as dangerous as it is beneficial if you think about it
2: oh of course yeah. it, it all depends on how you wield it if right. you're like trying to manipulate people then yeah you can do that too yeah but uh yeah no I, i'm i'm trying to be more conscious of my energy too i found that since i've become a stand stand up i've been doing it almost you know six and a half seven years something like right. that that uh you become directed more inward and so you're you're always thinking about so I'm not as funny as I used to be in real life. <laughs> yeah, because you just always think it's just you. It's almost like you conserve your energy, and yeah. I'm trying to with my girlfriend and stuff now to let her, this all sounds so funny, but I'm, it's something I'm working on. Okay. It's just like douse her in the shit too. So whatever I bring to the stage, mm-hmm. I try to sometimes when I see her, I'm like, oh, I'm going to give her the goods. Like whatever I do and not like act like anything, but just be like, I'm going to focus on her like I focus on an audience oh, interesting. and I yeah. just, I just pour that thing. Cause, cause I think w- what happens is you just give all your good stuff to the audience mm-hmm. and you save it and uh, you don't. Give it to the people you love. So I try to do that with my family when I see them, and with my girlfriend. And this is like in the past few months, I'm like trying to Man, be very conscious of it.
0: That's so interesting. I never thought about it that way. Because I always get like I have like a weird, I don't have like a weird process. I have like a weird non process. I think with comedy, a lot of times I'll be trying to do something like, oh, how did it work last time that when it worked, trying to do it again. <laughs> and sometimes you're, it's like you. I always have to tell myself that. Things don't work that way. Things don't work like, oh, if you do it the same way last time, it's going to have the same outcome. But well, for you, I, you
2: know, I was watching you did my show, The Chatterbox, right. which is an amazing show. It's the best. Yeah, and uh, I was watching you on Sunday, and uh, you try to not, re- you try to really be in the moment, right?
0: Yeah, I have to be though, because otherwise, if I'm not, I get, I just get like disinterested, and I don't feel like I'm. If I'm not in the moment when I'm performing, I don't like what I'm doing, and then i don't i feel like I don't have a good show even if if I've had shows where i mean to offer t- all, all intensive purposes f- from an audience's perspective it was good it was really good maybe not great but it's like, oh, it was like oh that was really good it was really fucking funny it was great, but I know like oh i wasn't really i didn't do anything new I wasn't um presenting that in a in like a i'm trying to think of like like the tip of the arrow or something like something where you're like on the the front of the the shockwave or this something where it's like part of the thing that's happening is being created as it's moving as opposed to th- pushing something forward huh. or like dragging something yeah and if i if i'm dragging it or if i'm pushing it forward then it's like not Inspo- not interesting to me, but when it's something where I'm creating it in the moment, it's kind of like uh, unstoppable. It's like a bullseye kind of thing.
2: Well, you never, I, I remember I hit you up years ago about this, but you never really did open mics or anything like that, right? I did a couple, but basically not, no. So you just don't, I mean, you're just not interested in stand-up like that, that's all.
0: Yeah, because I'm not, the whole thing for me is it's not about the the joke crafting as much as it is about finding like a headspace to where... Um, like getting like this state where I just feel like I'm thinking out loud in a way that's uh, just flowing. And when it happens, it's great. That's, what, that's what the thing with open mics. The open mics I did used to do, I've done a couple of them. I think for a long time I was doing a show there was an open mic, but I thought it was a show. <laughs> I mean,
2: it's like to me. Are you talking about what's it called?
0: Uh, it was some, this was a long time ago. Oh. This was some show, at Atwater, this little coffee shop. Uh, <laughs> Laura House used to host it, All right. and it was a Friday thing. It was like at six or seven at night on Friday, and I would go. I would always ask if I can do it, and she she let me do it a lot. And I realized, like, oh, this is an op-, later realized this is an open mic, <laughs> and I was treating it as a show, and I was just like. I think that's why I liked it so much cuz I was fucking gung ho about it. I was really just <laughs> kicking it out there. I didn't feel like it I didn't realize it was all comedians in the audience I think at the time. But I was doing it because yeah, I just it was like a fun thing to create uh in the moment. But I guess the thing with open mics that always got me was that I felt like you don't get the the correct feedback. Like you don't get the feedback. You also don't get any energy from the crowd a lot of times cuz it's just this thing where I mean, I get it. If you're if you're sitting there waiting to go on, yeah, you're thinking about yourself, your shit, and you're you. It's hard to listen and respond like an actual audience member.
2: Well, there are bad. Oh, there are good open mics, yeah. and there are bad. And especially right. now, compared to when you started, oh, there's sure. uh, so many more. Yeah, but uh, yeah, even when I started, I remember there was there was a lot of dreadful ones, uh, but. Yeah, it's, it's just different now. And I, I really, yeah, I, I love open mics still, mm-hmm. and uh, I, if I could host them, but Alan Strickland Williams told me, you can't be hosting mics anymore. Like uh, Everyone's, right. everyone's like, lo- like Hollywood's looking at you, and they, they, won't li- they don't like it. And I was like, all right. But I still love them, and I love comedy. I love watching new comedians, and I use those to write jokes. After a while, w- once you build credibility with, with an open mic or anything, then you could do whatever you want. But it takes a little while. You for-
0: mean do whatever you want at the
2: show, or what? Or um... Just- no, at the yeah, at the open mic. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you have to build credibility with everyone. You think like what in what sense? It's just you know, it, it's just uh, like they have to know that you're a good comic. Then they'll go with you to a place. Oh, you mean like they'll follow you and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So right. even they, I mean, comics. I I accidentally hosted an open mic the other day. Uh, I went just to do it, and then the right. girl had just ran an hour, and she said like, S- "Can does somebody want to host?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." You know, just don't she, promote it.
0: She ran an hour. What she do you mean? she
2: did her hour before the mic, like for audience at the Lyric Hyperion. For okay. like For like a, she ran her hour, like yeah. she did an hour of it, comedy, and, it, yeah, and then I she usually it. hosts this mic. Right. But she was just like done. She was like, yeah, "No, spent. I don't want to." Yeah. So I took it over, and then. Uh, some uh, young younger comedian, although I found out he'd been doing it for a while, and he was kind of complaining about mics and saying, yeah, you know, uh, I don't like them. You know, comedians don't laugh and stuff. I, and I was like, well, you know... Comedians do love a good joke. They, yeah, comedians <laughs> tend to like jokes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was he, but he he did he played with an accordion and he did kind of an oh, outlandish thing. That's cool. And he was saying one-liners, but the one-liners weren't good. That's right. all it was. And nobody was laughing because they weren't good. But I appreciated what he was trying to do. Yeah. And it just takes a while. But he was saying like, yeah, comedians don't give you the feedback. He was saying kind of what you're saying. I'm like, well, actually, comedians really like good jokes. That's true. And they like uh, they like so. So it's not that way, really. You just gotta. It takes time to be that good.
0: Yeah, I think for me it was a thing where I felt like for
2: you they may not like it because you're being silly. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that isn't that what comedy is? That's what it. You. Um. I think it's for that way for some people, and that's what it used to be. But now, especially out here in L.A., it's such a business. You know what I mean?
0: But what, in what sense? You mean like the business of talking? Or... I
2: don't. I don't know. But even if it's it's the very business of joke structure. So people like like turning a a joke. They're not looking at an open mic. Nobody's looking for a fucking experience, Johnny.
0: See that's the thing, man. I want to. I want to. I like a performance. I want a performance. I want to see. I want to be dazzled. I want to hear the lights and the sound and the shit. Like for me, Richard Pryor is my number one comedian forever, always. Because you watch Richard Pryor and you're watching like a guy who's just, it's everything. It's like—it's not jokes. It's like tone. It's like, he does a little bit of this, talking about, and he's doing a character. He's like, oh, then my dog's talking to me. Hey, where'd So the
2: greatest that. comedian that's ever lived, you're yes. talking about? <laughs> At an open mic.
0: <laughs> well, I, I guess I just mean uh, in terms of, because I feel like with comedians, there is like a, you have, a, you have two circles, right? One is, uh, writing and one is performance, and every com- comedian has an intersection of the two. Some with Rich- like Richard Pryor, I would say, is like this perfect intersection where he is both a brilliant writer and a brilliant performer. But there's a lot of comedians who are just writers, and there's no, almost no performance. And there's a lot of comedians who are just performance, and there's almost no writing. And I think I tend to, I really enjoy watching writers because it's something where I'm like. Wow i just I don't have that. I don't have that thing where I feel okay with just saying like a like a plan like a like a battle plan or something like that. I think it's really interesting because i
2: I can't do that I'm more of a storyteller, and so I like joke writers i yeah. i'm like it's like I really admire and I'm always trying to write jokes because you can tell a bunch mm-hmm. of stories, but you need a you need a bunch of quick pops like in the fight if you're doing yeah, a set you need that's like true. just some jabs and to me that's what I think of as jokes. And uh, I just I'm always like trying to write the jokes, but the stories just come.
0: Well, I think it's, that's what I'm. That's what I think about you because you're just like this magnanimous. You have like a thing when you're talking. I'd rather be interested and compelled than being sort of like tricked into laughing at something because it's like this little, like a joke. Some of his jokes seem sort of like a little, uh, like a sneak attack kind of thing where you've created this little like a micro mouse trap that if you if you listen to this word, you're gonna think this thing, and then you're gonna get hit. You're gonna get a little tap in <laughs> the side of the head, as opposed to being drawn in. That is such a in.
2: funny way to think about jokes, Johnny. That's why you're not a fucking joke teller. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is like. It is sneaky. Yeah. And it is a kind of a lie because it's misdirection. Right. So it's like, oh, you did it, bud. You know, you that's got, what, that's yeah. That's what I think it open mics So when I see like real, like just pure joke tellers, where mm. I'm like. Wow, your brain really put that one together, nice, like, right? Yeah, thought, nice little joke. You thought <laughs> of the opposite
0: of the thing you just talked about, and but like when you hear like someone tell a story, it's this thing where because I I just I love listening to stories. I fucking love it because I just envisioning stuff in your anytime. I like if just seconds of exposition i'm just i'm there i'm like listening yeah uh-huh i'm listening i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about it oh yeah tell me more more details yeah this details oh what was it this was the color oh it was like this the weather i'm just in that i just want to hear i want to be told stories and i feel like that's well a lot of comics who are really good but i just if i don't get a story then i feel i just don't feel like this yeah just, I'm not i'm not taking anything home
2: yeah i want to get to yeah. know you like I want to know yeah. you, and if I can't, if there's no way in for me to see you, or if you're just a boring person, who yeah. cares? Like, yeah, I don't care about that.
0: You gotta have a, yeah. you gotta have a little ding dong in there, whistling yeah. a while.
2: <laughs> how, uh, how how many relationships, long relationships, have you had?
0: Well, I've been in a long relationship right now. This is the longest one I've ever been in. How long has it been? I think it's been about eleven years.
2: Are you serious? Yeah, man. Wow.
0: And before that, the longest one I was in was in college, and that was I think th- almost three years.
2: Eleven. So you just got a three and a eleven, really, right? As far as
0: uh, yeah, I've had I've had like maybe like a maybe a f- few months.
2: But that's not anything, yeah. really, right?
0: Yeah, three and eleven.
2: Wow, man, that's so. You're married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you 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 feel pretty good about all that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's always. Everything always changes all the time, so there's always going to be seasons of things. But I always feel like if something lasts a certain amount of time, you're doing something something right. You're figuring out, you're solving problems that come up. Yeah. So I feel like with Brett and I, we've solved a lot of problems to to the point where I feel like it would take something. I don't know what it would take for us not to be able to figure it out.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a really mature way to look yeah. at it. That's a, um, but I, you seem like what way? In what ways are you immature? Because you seem pretty mature about a lot of things.
0: Well, I don't know. I think I'm actually way too mature a lot, of, a lot of stuff, but immature. Oh, so
2: you would like to add more kind of playfulness or something to your life? Um, maybe. I mean, you I said do. you're too mature. I feel like I've had to be—I had to be really mature when I was younger
0: because I got so sick because I had, when I got colitis, I was ten years old. So I feel like a lot of—I got a lot of—I of, um, had to think, I had to worry about stuff at a pretty young age. I don't think a lot of kids had to worry about like where they're going to go to the bathroom, like when you're twelve years old, you don't have to worry about like having diarrhea at school, like every day.
2: Yeah. So having—that's—I mean uh, that must be the—that's yeah. the most terrifying fear like a ten-year-old would. Exactly. Have, right? It's
0: this weird thing where I remember being like maybe 14 or something and really saying, oh, it would be so much better to have cancer than this because if you have cancer, it's this thing where you can tell everybody and everyone's, the basketball team all shaves their heads kind of thing. (laughs) You know, it's that sort of collective thing where everyone's behind you and they understand it because it's like, oh, we know what cancer is. Cancer is a disease that can kill you but a lot of people can fight it and and we can help. Let's help out. Everyone can help out. It's this thing. But when you have this disease that no one really knows about and also it's not... It's not gonna kill you. It just makes you have to shit a lot. It's the thing where, God knows you're not gonna tell people about it because you feel so embarrassed about it. So I always want like, yeah, I wish I had like, uh, had my, uh, lost an arm or something. Yeah. Know? Or any anything other than having this thing. You, you you look you look at me. You can't tell your person's sick when someone has cancer. Someone has like got an arm cut off or something. You know right away. So there's this instant identification and like sympathy or empathy or whatever it is. So, I think like that aspect of it made me have to like be have a lot of anxiety or worry at a young age. So as a result, that's why I like doing really silly, absurd stuff with comedy because I it's like playing, and that's why you always say with uh, in terms of like acting too, is that if you're not if you're like an actor and you're taking your shit too seriously, you're not doing your job right because yeah. you're supposed to be the person who is a fucking silly heart and like has to be like okay we're ready to go now ready to go supposed to be the person who's kind of keeps if you're walking on a trail if like making a movie or something is walking on a path you're the person who's stopping constantly and going off the path and oh what's this what's that getting distracted and like kind of indulging in things and then to have to be brought back cause if you don't have if you don't have that type of element of curiosity and sort of interest in like mischief or something like that. You're I was not watching. Uh, any.
2: I was watching Hidden Figures the other day, and Janelle right. Monae's in that. And she's great now, but she's only been in a few movies. Right. She was just in Moonlight, and uh, there's a scene where she's dancing with them. They're supposedly a little drunk in the thing, and I was like, "Oh, I think acting. A big part of acting is uh, just like being very playful and willing to look kind of stupid in front oh. of all these people with cameras and stuff, right? Yeah, because you just right away just have to drop in and act like pretty stupid or silly or whatever." and not care what the sound guy thinks of you at all. Yeah,
0: uh it's that that's like the, that's the hardest thing to get over I think is I remember I had the first uh, TV pilot I ever did, I had to answer the door with my shirt off cuz I was like hitting <laughs> on this mom and I was so fucking nervous. I was like, "Oh god, always like there's like 50 people looking at me." And I just realized, I guess I just have to do this because if I don't do it, if I don't relax and not care about what they think, then I'm, that's how you fail is by caring too much. It's like this weird it's like this weird <laughs> thing where you have to yeah, you have to to fail is to be worried about failing. Yeah. It's like a fucking it's a weird well, psychological thing. You know thing. Christ
2: said to die uh, to live you have to die. So it's yeah. pretty much the same thing.
0: Christ was an actor. The crisis actor. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get out of the uh the whole ministry thing? I just quit. But what? What? why did you want to quit?
2: I was uh, having sex with my girlfriend at the time. and right. uh,
0: Well, how old were you? Let's put
2: I was 23. 23. Yeah. And uh, I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time, and I would drink sometimes, but I, the only, I would drink alone. I would get drunk alone just because right. I, I didn't know to go out or anything like that. But uh, uh, I just was like, I'm too young to be doing this, and they right. got me really young, and I was very good at it. But I was, just knew I had a lot of questions and that... I didn't want to be the kind of pastor that, like, got caught doing something. Yeah, And I was just like, I really did it. I really, like, loved God so much that I was like, God, this is the right thing for me to do w- uh, with God. But uh, I did it. I, I just did it too stupid, too. I didn't realize what a big business it was. And I would have done it differently because it's all political. It's all they're running a huge a multi-million dollar yeah, business. It's a at business. Point. And I didn't think about that that way. I thought like, "Uh, oh, this is the right thing to do by God." I don't know what I would have done differently, but I just know I did it wrong cuz they asked me first off they were like, "Well, you know, you're really good at this. So, we don't want you to quit. So, but you do definitely need some time away. So, do you want to do it here? Like a sabbatical?" Kind yeah, of thing? do you want to like do it here somewhere, or do you want to go somewhere else? And I was like, oh, I guess I'll go somewhere else.
0: Well, how, how did you get into it in the first place? So you went. To, is this I the just same grew up church? in the church. Grew up in the church. So did you go to college or
2: anything? No, I was going to college while I was doing it. That was like, and they were paying for okay. my college. So uh, I was like, dude, I was talking to someone the other day. I was like not. I am so blessed, and uh, (laughs) I hate that. I hate saying that word because it has so many uh, Christian connotations. But to live the life I have now, I am like so grateful and lucky and blessed to have it. Because I, my parents are just like regular. They grew up in East LA, and And they never talked to us about college like at all. Like you mean never? It wasn't like even a thought. Didn't even mention it. Once. See,
0: in my life, that's pretty much all that mattered. It's <laughs> yeah. the yeah, only well,
2: thing that was important. Yeah, that's like a nice because you come from a nice middle class background, right? Yeah, a bunch of white people in the snow. <laughs> did you finish college? Yeah, I finished college. Okay, yeah, I mean, but I finished t- college. They did not mention it, and right. I was smart. So uh, I was growing up in in the church and school. I was senior class president. I think I had like a three seven GPA. It's better but, than me. But but, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. You couldn't have told me the idea, they said like, oh yeah, Cal Poly Pomona, I grew up in West Covina. They were yeah. like, oh yeah, if you have a 3.0 average and you apply, you'll just get in. But like, I couldn't even think of thought about fulfilling that really? thing out or anything. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to, um, when I graduated high school, uh, I uh, I tried to join the army. Okay. But I was too fat. But I wasn't even fat then. Now I'm fat. You're looking at me. I'm fat. But then I weighed like 195. I was the captain of the wrestling team. And, uh, my well, army you're in shape. Yeah, my, no, I, I mean I look great. My army recruiter was like, "Oh yeah." So I went down. How they do it here in L.A. is you go down to the Bonaventure Hotel and they get you a, a nice room there. That's how they they Fuck. tell. Fuck. So Are they you take, serious? Yeah, that's how the recruit. They'll be like, "All right, it's time to swear in and do all that stuff." You go. They get you a nice room at the Bonaventure Hotel, and then you, they wake you up early, like at five or six, and you go downstairs and you eat like a breakfast in like yeah. the like pit of the hotel, like all these recruits. And then you go down. They take you down to wherever, and they start filling out all this paperwork. And mm-hmm. you get shots, and you do all this stuff, and then you swear in. Right. And my they uh, they I was just too fat, and I I mean I gotta tell you Johnny, I'm like I weigh two seventy seven today, uh-huh. and I was like I was. Like a, I was built like a machine, and my yeah. recruiter was so pissed. My recruiter was yelling at him. They're like, look at this guy. Look at him. He's great. And they were like, no. Nah. They're like, we can't. They they can't. I could have joined the Marines. Is it a height-weight thing? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just all... like that kind of a thing. So it's just like a fucking... Comp- no, I think it was a fat percentage thing, too. Okay. Uh, but... The Marines would take anyone but I for whatever reason I got it in my head to go to the army. Oh
0: cuz Marines want to fucking break you down. Yeah, they'll and build do you. they'll take anyone. I didn't know that?
2: Yeah. So there's no wait thing but the army had a wait thing. And so I was oh. like the guy was like, "All right, we'll come back in a month or whatever," but in between that time I'm like 18 years old. Um I went to help my... Uh, Wait, can I ask you, what What year was this? This was 96. So is there a war going on, I'm trying to think? No, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> I'm just trying to, no, no, absolutely yeah, we, not. We were
0: war-free at that time for yeah, a, yeah. a rare moment of no so, like, desert storm. I was
2: in 7th or 8th grade when Desert Storm happened, and right. it was like a two-day war. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember that shit. So it was like when I Cheney. was... Cheney. My dad <laughs> went to the Army, and he really liked it. And so so your
0: dad was in the Army? Yeah. Did he, he serve in combat at all?
2: No, he uh, he just missed Vietnam. Yeah. He was a little too young for that. But he'd gone all over the... The world, and I was like, Oh, I guess I'll just do this. So, but I, I missed it, I was too fat. And then in between that time, I like went to uh, my church would do this, or the youth group would do this like annual trip to the Navajo Indio reservation, right? Where we'd put on like a vacation Bible school. And I went to help out of that. And uh, some some like preacher like took me aside and he like prophesied, he said, Steve, you're gonna have a, a bigger impact on the world than m- more than anyone in this place. And I was like, Oh, yes. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh then my church pretty much started an internship like 6 months later. Right. And then I became an intern and then the junior high pastor quit and so I became the junior high pastor right. and the high school pastor and then the student ministries director who had recruited me who was a mentor he left. So within like those 3 or 4 years I kept moving up and wow. kind of was just in charge of it. Just and the whole time it. they were saying like and it all it's at Church, I was just running events. So yeah. I actually ran a Christian haunted house, like that kind of a thing. I ran a hundred thousand dollar Christian haunted house.
0: A hundred thousand
1: yeah. dollar. <laughs> a hundred thousand dollar. Welcome to the one hundred thousand dollar Christian haunted house. We've spent
2: one thousand dollars, one hundred thousand dollars to scare Jesus back into you we called it inferno and on on the flyers it said it'll scare the hell out of you right (laughs) i mean so it it was all marketing and then we had a big event called the spot where all the kids would bring these kids with like all these big screens of video games and sumo suits and stuff and then i'd give a message and save these kids soul for God. god all that stuff yeah so That's crazy. it's all events stuff. It's all what I do now as like yeah. a, a comedian and, and run shows and stuff like that. So you
0: were being groomed for the top spot as they say.
2: Kind of. You could. You always got the impression they didn't trust me, though. Really? Yeah. Why is that? You think? I think because I just wasn't like them. Uh, I. I think there may have been an undertone of racism there, but I never. There. A lot of the people were good to me, and I don't right. mean that. But. But almost just the kind of like I. We can't trust this guy.
0: Yeah, it's like because I feel like a lot of that stuff is also. It's like it's like this weird classism and a lot of stuff too. Where. Oh
2: yeah! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, Yeah, classism and racism, kind of. Blur. They like, blur a lot. Yeah. I you know, I grew up in West Covina. West Covina's like Mexicans and white people. Right. And uh I never felt Mexican or had to like even I never felt racism growing up really right. in West Covina. The only time I felt racism is when I came to Hollywood. Right. When I started doing stand up out here. Yeah. And it's not even like it's not a malicious thing. You just kind of talk to some people. And and that's because a lot of people are from the Midwest too. Yeah. So, um, it's not like Hollywood. It's all these people from the Midwest come and they don't, they you know, I'll don't talk it. to people and it, you just get the impression they don't think I've ever read a book. <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh my it's God. It's like, oh yeah. And I mean like, you could feel it and I'm yeah, like, oh you, okay, you're you think I'm- you down to. Yeah, you like, think I'm this way. Are you like playing with me? Like, you yeah. could tell someone's intellectually playing with me with kid gloves and I'm like, oh no, like, you know, I'm really smart, but whatever. Yeah. What are you that's do? That's interesting. Yeah.
0: But so, you would be, you'd- being kind of like groomed for that whole thing, but then you just you say you you quit. I just quit. <laughs> you just quit. Yeah,
2: and then they asked me uh, not to come back for a year uh, because I I mean I had so much influence and they weren't paying me anymore, so they oh. they didn't want me to split the church or be saying anything. I mean, it you makes could do that. You sure, like- it made sense from a business point of view. The only thing they did wrong, I think, when they did that was the Bible even calls. They say when somebody's sinning, they should. Uh, you're supposed to like go to them and say hey this is what you're supposed this is church protocol in the bible right. you're supposed to challenge him to it and say hey you do that you need to get this fixed and then if the guy does it, then the, you're supposed to make the guy get up in front of church and say hey this is what I'm doing which and, was for you was, was I would and I would have said if given the opportunity but they didn't want to say that so wow. that, they just told everyone that oh yeah he does, he wanted to go back to school or something like that but you
0: were having sex and drinking
2: yeah but is just drinking, is
0: that considered bad? Well, I mean,
2: yeah, for my church it was. And yeah, having okay. sex was consider, outside of marriage sex, was considered bad. Sex, obviously, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I was getting drunk, so. Yeah. Yeah. You're
0: not supposed to get drunk, are you?
2: Uh, No, no. Why is that? Well, I mean, i I haven't been drinking now for almost four months. I always have a thing with drinking. I bartend, and, you know, for yeah. comedians and... I didn't drink for a couple of years and I think I'm going to really give it a run at never drinking again. It makes complete sense. Are you crazy. It does make sense, yeah. Yeah, the worst things I've done in my life have been when I'm drunk. The, <laughs> I've hurt the people I love the most when I'm drunk.
0: Yeah, drunks are fucking I remember I have I think I talk, I have some sort of joke about it, but I have talked I hope at the show I even said something about it but like when you see like a place that's built around alcohol like I feel like 6th Street or whatever it's called in Austin, Texas. You yeah. go there, and it's just everything is built on not drinking, but getting drunk. Yeah. And you just see all the infrastructure and sur- surround it, and you look at the people's faces who are who are walking toward there, and there's just like this look. I just remember seeing this look on a couple people's faces where it just felt kind of gross. It felt kind of like this thing where you're – it just felt kind of rapey, like rapey and not in the sense of actually – Raping someone, but this sort of, this sort of like this—I uh, don't know. There's like this nasty kind of evil thing because you're, it's yeah, just,
2: it's gross. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I bartend at the Chatterbox on Thursdays and Fridays. Right. I've been doing that ten years there, and now that I'm not drinking, and it really feels like I've turned a corner where I'm like making a. I'm trying to grow up in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, and that's why I was asking even about your relationship because I got back with my ex-girlfriend. And uh, I'm um, I really love women like I'm girl crazy as girl crazy yeah, as a person That's I want to ask you about yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm as girl crazy as you can be and I say girl crazy because it really is like There's some kind of innocence to it. I'm not talking yeah. about fucking and stuff I mean, I just love flirting right. and I'm honestly like Powered by women like if I get into <laughs> a, if there's like a gaggle of women around all like i get juiced up. Yeah. So i'm trying to like <laughs> differentiate all these weird feelings and fe- but e- even i'm thinking of now being with my girlfriend long term who's i mean she's a babe. She's like hot. Not get- like kind of hot. She's like uh, objectively hot and very funny. She's a comedian. She's very funny and she'll do anything for me. I mean there's like absolutely right. What more do i want out of a woman? Kind of a thing, but now i'm trying to settle in with like with drinking, that's why I'm not drinking. I'm trying to lose weight, so you know it's the regular, the Rasputin shit: food, booze, and women.
0: That's the Rasputin thing.
2: Yeah, it's like I mean, well, that's as old as th- it's those three things. That three th- that's all. It but is. for me, you know, I really can't fuck with drinking. I can't like have two. Okay. I have to just not drink. Yeah. With food, I I mean that's like a real addiction too, especially like late night fast food. Yeah. Um, and then now that I'm really trying to do the right thing and be with a woman. Uh yeah, because you were married, before, you've been married. Oh yeah, I was married. We had an open marriage though. So that's what how does how does that happen? Well, when my my ex and I started dating, um she was 20 years old. Okay, how old were you? And I was 26, 27. Okay. And uh we we had uh she was it, it came out pretty quick that she was kind of bi too. Okay. So, well, so that right there is already Yeah, right there we we were like, "Oh, okay. Well, how do we I was like, "Well, I can't please you in the way that a woman can please you." Right. So I guess I don't know, maybe we should have threesomes or something, mm-hmm. but but I I was never that stoked about threesomes. So you didn't want that. Yeah. I mean, I I wasn't I you know, I was a regular guy at that point. Yeah. Now I'm not a regular guy about all of this really? stuff. Yeah. Uh but uh, so we like, kind of, were like. I just felt funny. I like, who do we approach? And you know, at this point, I'm a waiter at TGI Fridays in West Covina. Okay. And she's in college, <laughs> so it's not this the guy that stands before you. It's just a couple of regular like kids in the suburbs, like trying to figure it out. And uh, pretty quickly, we found out about swinging. Okay. Yeah. So we did that for well, like a year.
0: Swinging just means like you're swapping partners, sort of. Thing, yeah.
2: Right? And there's like big clubs and parties yeah. that you would go to. Yeah. So. Uh, and we did that for a while, and then I, I discovered polyamory and o- open relationship stuff, and that kind of felt a little more, that, that appeals more to who I am. Because the polyamory, that ha- that means it's like you're... You're allowed to uh, feel emotions toward the people, right. too. Right, because
0: the swinging thing is not that. It's just sex. Yeah, it's just sex.
2: Yeah, and that was fun for a little while. It was, mm-hmm. If you've never done it before, it's like very intense. It's very. It's like drugs. It's like the craziest thing wow. you've ever done. I think I, I don't think I could handle it. Well, you don't. I mean, the first <laughs> time we went to. I uh, mean, are, are you a jealous guy? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not really. Yeah. Um. The first time we went to a, a like a mansion party, it was like in Corona, Temecula. A lot of stuff happens out there. It's just <laughs> a lot of new money. Yeah. And, and it's all. And the swing community is also very conservative. Which is, you wouldn't think, you would think it'd be more of a liberal thing?
0: You would think, but also it does make, stuff like that always does make make sense as being conservative to me.
2: Why so? How how so? I
0: don't know why. There's something about it that, uh, it sort of like has to do with organization. (laughs) Like my dad's gay, and he has a partner, and they live together, they're married now, Yeah. but for all intents and purposes, he's very conservative. Yeah. Like he's not conservative politically, obviously, but I think fiscally- He's conservative as shit. And the the two of them, they're just, they're really conservative in a sense where, I don't know, there's like this, there's like a status thing obviously going on there because they have money. So it's the kind of thing where I feel like swinging, at least in my vision of it, is a thing where you have to be at a place in your life where you have some sort of status to sort of organize it or kind of thing so it seems like the kind of thing republicans would be into
2: (laughs) what i mean yeah that's i mean those are all very insightful things i think they say it it really started in america like in the 50s with Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of military guys okay so that kind of a thing yeah that makes sense to me and and we were very young to be doing it too yeah uh, this is mostly like 45 year olds people who've been married for like 10 or 15 years and they're like Well, we love each other and we have families, but we want to have fun too. Right. There's a big sense (laughs) of um, fairness with a lot of it because it's never, it's always couples. You almost always have to have a woman with you. Okay. And there's like a sense of fairness where it's like, like, here's, here, like, here you gave me your woman here's my woman but also it's not that either because the swinging community is very um powered by the women like the women do everything okay. so the women approach the other couple the other woman right and um bisexuality is totally fine and encouraged with the women but the guys the it's men. never a thing see that's 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 so yeah, that's conservative, a very conservative thing <laughs> it's too. so funny yeah so the women typically like hook up that was right. like a thing but the guys are like would never do that wow. that's that's yeah, like very frowned down upon
0: but that, so you get you move past that, and then you try to the polyamory thing is more about like you're saying loving mul- multiple people. Like yeah. Like, so you have almost like you have more than one partner.
2: Yeah, and by this time we're married. Right. And uh, let's see, we end up splitting up when my wife was like 27, 28. So yeah, by that start. time we were married and. Somewhere along the line, because my wife was so young mm-hmm. when we got married, and and she really wanted to get married, I, I wasn't yeah. like trying to do that. So she was twenty three when we got married, so young. Yeah, I mean, but she wasn't fully formed yet. So by the time like she's twenty seven, I think she figured out, oh, this isn't really my thing. But also like that is part of the reason I got married was that this was this is what we agreed upon. Yeah. But she was never even able to vote. She wasn't the kind of person, she wasn't even able, able to ever vocalize, I don't want you to do this anymore, or I don't want to do this anymore.
0: She just had, She just was too scared to say it?
2: Yeah, because I think she thought that would mean we would get a divorce. Oh, uh, okay. And we ended up getting a divorce anyway, and a lot of that comes from, you know, I was a little bothered that she could never even say it. But a lot of that had to do more, too, with comedy, too. She was a very private person. We still keep in contact. Yeah. I love her to death. She's a great woman. I dream about her all the time. Uh, Yeah. So it was a very sad thing to get a So you mean comedy because it's like you would have to talk about things in your life. I'm not a private person at all. And it used to be okay if we, that was at parties or something sometimes you know what I mean, what talking about, yeah, just talking list? about whatever, yeah. and everything. it'd be like, oh, you know, my husband, what a cut up, but he's on
0: stage, but now I'm on strangers. stage,
2: and it wasn't gonna stop like and I think she figured it out, so she would be very supportive she we used to run a monthly called girth, and uh-huh. she would be there every month, and we'd have food, and she would like be that, but you could just tell i mean, I could just tell that it like hurt her soul. To be around this afterwards. Really? Plus, she was very conservative and very sharp. She had a great job. She was in insurance. And, like, to be around comedians, we're all pretty much losers. Yeah,
0: comedians you know? are weird. They're, it's like a weird kind of like, <laughs> just, just always. you can always talk to any comedian about therapy, <laughs> alcohol, or, I mean, those two things therapy, alcohol, or loneliness. Yeah. It's like, there's no comedian, even like the most successful comedian ever. You can talk about that. They can. You can both can talk about therapy or something. Or yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it?
2: we're just pretty open. Yeah. So you could just right away start digging into deep shit with yeah. comics because we're always analyzing our stuff I, for jokes, but for other other reasons, just we're always general, analyzing everything. Yeah. Can't
0: help it. It's like this, like a, like a fucking. It's almost like a disease of the mind
2: in a sense. Oh yeah, this is like not a healthy thing to do. Yeah. But people's like people are suited for it, and then right. once you because. When I found comedy, I, I didn't. I had the calling. I was a great youth pastor. Right. I mean, and I would have been one of the best. And I was actually very good when I quit, but I would have become legendary if I would have stayed there. Oh, yeah, with man. <laughs> but, uh, and, I, and that, that was a calling. It yeah. felt like a calling. And I didn't think I'd ever have that again till right. 10 years later when I found comedy. And then I was like, oh, it's a, this is a calling again. Yeah. And that's, it was like, oh, this is what it is now. So no matter what happens, I have to just keep doing this because this is what I was born to do.
0: It's so similar to, I, I grew up watching, not grew up watching, but I would always watch like preachers on the on TV and stuff just because it's so interesting to just watch the their presence. And to me, I, that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about how so much of, if you don't have like a presence on stage, if you don't have like. Like if you look like if you look like shit, or you like carry yourself like shit when you're on stage, it's the same thing. Like a preacher wouldn't do that because you have to like you have to have people's respect
2: and attention. Well, and just when people when comedians go like, "What do you want to talk about?" I'm Fuck like, you. dude, what are you fucking doing?" And yeah. there's like a part too where, as an artist and all this stuff, you're like. It's our jobs to be, like, gods to the people. Like, when Kanye talks about being gods, like, I get it. Sanctified ego. All that stuff. It's not like, it's like Nietzschean, it's all that. It's that, this is our job, and your job isn't, we're supposed to do a thing that you can't do because you have to go to work and have a family and stuff. Yeah. So, it's reciprocal. Mm -hmm. Thank you for supporting us because this is what we have to do. And, you know, like, my sister's a stay-at-home mom. Her husband's great. They got two kids. They got a home. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I don't look down upon it at all, but right. I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, it's a thing where I was when people talk shit about normies or whatever. Yeah, like, well, this is you, you have to have that. You have to have those people cuz those are the people who support you or like
2: but I, I would I mean, I don't know. This is it's not like this life is I have a great time doing it. I shouldn't yeah. say that. Uh it is pretty great. I shouldn't say any other thing like that. But there's when I left my wife, man, I wish if there was a flip I could have switched to to stay with her, I would have flipped that switch. A switch you could have flipped. <laughs> a
0: flip you could have switched. You could have flipped, 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 flipped that switch you could have flipped.
2: I would have flipped
0: that switch to, uh, flip. Switch to flip to stay with her?
2: Yeah, I would have done that because she's a good woman and okay. we had fun and I loved her.
0: You mean like the stability of it, like the normalcy she of She just,
2: it. that was what, I mean, I, you and I were talking a little bit before, but she just, she, she likes, you know, her and I went to lunch a few months ago and she was like, I just want to make the most money I can at my job mm-hmm. and then f- fucking come home and have a nice dinner and have right. dinner parties and travel. She travels. She right. went to Greece for like a month and a half wow. last year. Yeah. I mean, and the, to her, that's like, this is it. And it was like, to me, I would rather slit my throat. Really? Yeah. yeah. But but if I could have, there was a point, because the divorce is, I love her I and mean, it was as amical as one could be. And it'll always stick with you. It's like a fucking limp. You mean what? The divorce? The pain or? that comes through a divorce. Yeah,
0: I imagine because no just... matter
2: what, I got up in front of her family and my family and made a promise that I broke. Right. And I, and I do think that like I did the right thing. I think we did the right thing. Mm-hmm. But also like I don't know your heart. Your heart won't listen to logic.
0: Yeah can't. The heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, I mean,
2: (laughs) no, the heart is like, you made a vow to this person. Yeah. And you fucking broke the vow. And your heart will never win. Really oh, yeah. I see what you're you saying. Yeah. It's the
0: opposite of what I was saying. Well, it's, it's just more like, like,
2: you know, like liberal people, and I'm half liberal, half conservative, Me I think. Too. <laughs> and uh, liberal people are always looking for a fucking reason to excuse why a thing is the way. They're always trying to explain why the thing's the bad way. Right? Like the, and the, so they're always trying to say, oh, it's like that because of this. And right. it's like, oh, it's like that because of this. And yeah, I get that, but it's also like, yeah, it's still fucked up, though. Yeah, you can't uh, like like yeah, undo l- it. Like I could tell you why the divorce was a great idea, but your heart is still like you still fucked up. You still did that thing, and and I'm I'm almost glad that my heart won't let me let it go because mm-hmm. I'm a better man for like I'm more humble and I'm a better man for having fucked up so big.
0: Yeah, I always think about that because what the first relationship I ever had, I look back on it and I just think. Man, I did not know how to be a boyfriend. Well, that imagine that as a husband. I mean, yeah. I think
2: of that as—I mean—stuff will pop up in my head, the way I treated her at parties, or in front of a friend, or a, a decision to do that instead of that, mm-hmm. and I'm like, God, what a piece of shit. Yeah. And you can't.
0: You can't. You can't undo change it. it. But also, it's like, it's like you walk that line of learning from it and thinking about it, but also you can't let the past. Feelings about something rule your life, and I be like I
2: don't believe in guilt. Yeah. I, I don't believe in guilt. I, I even Christianity doesn't teach guilt. No, Christ doesn't teach guilt. If you feel guilty about a thing, then you, you're saying that the power of Christ doesn't have any power. We're absolved from all that stuff. So I don't believe in feeling guilty about things. If you feel bad about them, then just change the thing and don't do it anymore, and work on that stuff. But I mean, I don't feel guilty about it, but it still stings every now and then. Do you still go to church? No. Not at all? No. When's the last time you went to church? I don't know. Years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I get, I get. Uh, although since I haven't been drinking, I have been spending more time with other comedians and friends. Right. And I forget that I do have like a pastor's heart. I do yeah. really love meeting with people and talking to them about my own life and listening to them and stuff yeah. too. So now that I'm not drinking, it's freed me up to like... Go just set up coffee dates with people. Do like micro church. <laughs> it is like micro church. Yeah, and it is like you know. I think people have therapists and stuff because we don't have any friends anymore. I think people used to just talk about these things.
0: Yeah, people have used to have more time. There's like this. There's this writer I talk about a lot named Tom Hodgkinson. I haven't read his books in a long time, but he's he's this British guy. He wrote a book called How to Be Free and How to Be Idle. He talks about basically how modern life is. Um, we just don't have as much free time anymore, and we don't take as much time anymore. We, everything is hurried, and uh, just the pace of modern life is so extremely different than it even was like 70, 80 years ago. But your life's not like that, right? You well, you, you like have a more free life, right? I guess so, but I don't really always feel that way. I've, a lot of times I feel I fucking make work for myself. I'll make stress. I'll create something it's subconscious most of the time but sometimes it's like i'm doing something i'm like well i'm i'm almost like where oh i'll be hung over tomorrow so if you're hung over it makes it harder to do things so you're basically creating a, your own roadblock so well i mean there's two points there. i guess i i think about how uh there's this book called Endurance. It's about Ernest Shackleton's uh, trip to Antarctica. Yeah. this failed expedition. they like gone for almost 600 days. Everyone in the whole world assumed they were dead. And they went through probably, it's probably like the world's greatest um, feat of human survival. Something like 25 men. And they... Go through just everything they fucking float on the ice they have they're living off of uh fucking elephant seals they're having to kill they're they're constantly on the edge of dying but they make it and because they're just they never really kind of give up but they they make it it's the kind of thing where you read about these guys surviving it's like the most incredible book it's the most fucking like i've never been so engaged in something And you read about it and sort of like these guys made it through there, like the edge of human endurance. They probably could have maybe even lasted longer. Who knows? But they did it. And you think about like our lives, how incredibly easy they are. And it always makes me think that most people's problems are things that they've created because we're just humans are fucking we're really strong like we can do so much stuff we can handle uh we can sleep in a fucking tree you can like go, who knows how long you can go without sleep who knows how long you can go without food there's always things we can manage but we don't ever have to we're never tested we're always everything's so easy and so uh life is so easy that you end up creating your own problems so this fucking mega machine you have, this brain that can t- tackle the most complex things and tackle the most so much stress, you create your own stress. Otherwise, if you don't have stress, you'll just fucking eat yourself. It's like there's all these diseases. Well, auto- the brain's
2: always looking to yeah. solve problems. Yeah, once they solve no problems, problems, it'll create problems.
0: It's like if you don't give a dog a toy to chew on, it's gonna fucking chew up your goddamn house. It's the same thing as your brain. If you don't have something to task yourself with, then if, you, if any any idle moment is going to be, it's going to cause detriment. At least with some people, I feel like with my brain, a lot of times that's the thing. I have to, if I don't give myself something creative to do, it'll start being destructive or being doing things like, oh, buy some fucking shoes I don't need or some of that shit like that. It's like this thing where you
2: got to fucking. It's well, that's why I try yeah. to hang out with people three or four yeah. times a week. And, I, you know, we're social, we're monkeys, man. Yeah. And it's always so crazy that people don't hang out with people more or get out of the house. And it's like, once you do that, you're like, oh, it, I mean, we're just dumb animals. Yeah. So it makes you feel good. And that's why all these people have the, all these neuroses. And that's why there's so much a, of it. A, because we're all separated now. Yeah, we're but so- We just want to be together again. Right. Just touch each other and be friends mm-hmm. like dumb monkeys and animals and have a good time. So yeah, I mean, like I'm like I said before, I'm very grateful that my life is set up in such a way where I have the time uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff. Hell
0: yeah! yeah. Well, that's the thing that the author Tom Hodgkinson talks about how in feudal times, in feudal England, peasants like a peasant who lived under a lord, they had like, like four or five times the amount of free time that we have now, and. We live like kings, sort of, you know, so sort to of speak. But these people were peasants. They had nothing. But they were way happier because they just had so much fucking time to, to just to, to, for leisure. To like, oh, I can paint. Oh, we can play. We can play. We can go out and play with the kids. We can do anything. Um, there's just that. That sort of thing has been totally supplanted and turned on its head. And no one really talks about it or realizes it.
2: It's like well, capitalism so, is such a fucking it's, monster. It's
0: a fucking monster. It's crazy. And now everyone always makes this case where... Like, oh, it's dog eat dog. It's survival of the fittest. But you think about like a, like a tiger. A tiger doesn't fucking kill a thousand cheetahs. Or it doesn't <laughs> kill a fucking thousand gazelle. It kills as much as it's hungry to eat. And then it kills another one when it's hungry again. It doesn't fucking hoard. So we're like these fucking cap, we're like a bunch of lions sitting on like a mountain of gazelle meat and be like, well, I think I need to get some more gazelles. Like, you've got a fucking enough gazelles for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our brains are, because there's that ease of life, and we're we're still predators, we're still trying to amass this thing, but it's the there's like a disconnection, because the thing you're amassing, it doesn't have, you can't, like, money doesn't, you can't literally eat money, you can't eat a fucking number you're reading on a screen, so there's like this disconnect in your, like, mammal brain that doesn't tell you you've succeeded. You don't feel successful, even though you're incredibly successful, because... It's just, it's just not there.
2: Well, that's what I mean. All, yeah. all this goes back, even when I say I'm trying to grow up and be more of a, a, a man, it means you just have to keep calming yourself down all yeah. the time. Like, I, the, you know, there's these new... I I'm, I have this joke that I'm writing because I bought this... I saw this $100 sweatshirt. Nobody, right. nobody needs a $100 sweatshirt. <laughs> right. the, but it was a Tom Snyder Championship Collabo sweatshirt. I saw it somewhere, and I clicked on it. And then now, if you click on things, you know, it'll follow you on Instagram. Yeah. And it'll follow you on Facebook. Yeah, the
0: ad follows you around. Uh, hey! <laughs> yeah,
2: it just keeps she keeps this sweatshirt. I just kept looking at it for like six weeks and stuff. So I finally bought it. It's a little too tight. <laughs> I yeah. just got to lose 10 more pounds. But uh, then I, there's these Jordans that came out. I'm the same way too. And I was just like, it's not going to stop. No, it's never going to end. Nothing. Well, that's not, what I mean about monogamy. That's what's a monogamy with food, with but, all of it is you're never going to get enough. No. So that for me, when I say it's time to grow up and to be man is even with a woman is like it's you're never gonna there's you're never gonna get enough you're gonna always want a new thing, yeah, that's the wrong way to think about these right. things, so yeah, so you mean
0: grow up in the sense where you look at yourself and realize this is how it's always gonna be so
2: uh, well, just, like with buying, I yeah. just told myself with those Jordans, the, I got to show these Jordans after okay. and I'm not, I with with the shoes, especially, I'm not right. like, I got to get every pair. I'm like, something's got to move me to buy them. Right. And this pair of Jordans moved me. And I was like, God damn it. But I'm also like, you don't need, don't them. need them. So with that same thing, I have to, and with drinking, I don't allow myself to have a romantic thought about drinking at all, like, ah, if only, I don't, yeah. I don't. Like a country musician. Yeah, I don't do that at all. <laughs> I don't think, oh, if only, I don't, I just don't think about it. That's not mine. That's right. not, that time's over. And so I don't, I have to do that with that. You got to do it with spending. And I think for me, I hear you talking with Brit, about Brit like that. And then I have to think, okay, you know, as much as you're going to always meet women and get off on this fucking jolt on that, it's, that's not the thing. you yeah. That's not for you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because that's not where the deepest joy and satisfaction comes from. Right. Like I hear you talking about solving problems with Brit. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's what having a relationship is about. It's finding someone who loves you unconditionally right. and who you're good with solving problems with.
0: Yeah, you can figure shit out even though it may not be...
2: Yeah, you you can you have a way of have like a good language, or you have some sort of way. You can yeah, it's just solving it out. problems mm-hmm. together. I know it doesn't sound sexy or anything, but you guys speak a language together, and so at this point, eleven years in, you have to like. She has to know certain things that bother you, or if you're being bothered by this, then she could kind of assist you in a different way, pick up a little more of the yeah. way because it's uh, something that bothers you, and and then vice versa. Right. That's all, and yeah. we don't need to eat. I don't need all the women. <laughs> you know it all pretty much feels the same way anyways yeah i've had so much sex i've had so much sex with beautiful i've had with the most beautiful women i've had sex with guys it's not my thing i've done it all it's and it's time to just smooth out and focus on i guess just no art i guess right steve's art This feels like a, I, I mean, I do podcasts, right. but this feels like a perfectly natural ending, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Steve Fernandez on Twitter. You can find me at Big Hearn on Twitter, at Herny on Instagram. I have a very hot Instagram. Hot, listen like, to my podcast. Spicy? My movie podcast, Views from the Vista, we review whatever's shown at the Vista in Los Feliz every week. So you watch it, then you go talk about it. We watch it and talk about it. We have really great guests on, nice. uh, and then my co-hosts are great, and then I produce A podcast, a fortune-telling podcast, uh, called Hard for Cards. I don't actually do it, but these girls are brilliant at reading things called destiny cards that are wildly accurate.
0: Never heard of that. Is it like I hadn't heard of it before?
2: It's it's different. It's a little derived from that, but uh, these girls are so funny and they're also wildly good at this thing, and the the cards are wildly accurate. So yeah, I want a part of it all. Yeah. Well, you're talking to me, baby. You got it.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Live to Tape
1: on Feral Audio with Johnny Pemberton. Please check out the tour dates. You gotta come check that shit out. Rate and review, subscribe. Do all that good stuff. Shop on Amazon. Fill up your fucking gullet. (laughs) Fill it up deep with goods and have a good life and live on and prosper and don't hurt people unless you got to, unless they're in your way. And then you can hurt (laughs) them and you can just knock them out with like a tire eye or something, okay? I'm trying to get this song to play. It's not fucking point.
0: Sorry it's crackling everybody. It's still a little bit of crackling. I don't know why it's crackling. This is Trinity Space P suit. Why is it crackling? I don't know. It's okay. It just crackles. Matt shrugs. Matt shrugs the crackle off.